Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Leslie Coplo. She is a clinical social worker, teacher, author, a practicing psychotherapist, and the director of emotionally responsive practice at Bank Street College. She has also created her own imprint for her children's books. It's called Teddy Bear Circle Publications. So much to learn and uh, think about. Hmm. Thanks for listening. It would be so cool if you went to my website at stephenmaletto.com and uh, left a review or just visited it. You can find all my episodes for my podcast there, as well as uh, all kinds of cool things like uh, a free class on classroom management that's audio. Yeah, why don't you check it out? Thanks for doing that. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. It's the Education Podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Miletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Miletto. Leslie Coplo is a clinical social worker, teacher, and author who lives in New York City. She is the Director of Emotionally Responsive Practice at Bank Street College, founder of Networks for Schools that Heal, and a psychotherapist in private practice. Leslie is the author of several books, including Where Ragdolls Hide Their Faces, The Way Home, Unsmiling Faces, How Preschools Can Heal, Creating Schools That Heal, Bears, Bears Everywhere, Supporting Children's Emotional Health in the Classroom, Tanya and the Tobo Man, Politics Aside, Our Children and Their Teachers in Score-Driven Times, and Emotionally Responsive Practice, A Path for Schools that Heal. Leslie is also the author of two children's series. One, A Story for Children in the Time of COVID, uh, that includes Lila in the Land of the Littles, Jasmine's Big Idea, and Wilson's Wishes, and her second series, Understanding Feelings in Community, which has Popcorn Comes to School, the story of a kitten in kindergarten, and Popcorn's Lost and Found. Leslie's previously appeared on episode 378, where we talked about uh, Lila in the Land of the Littles, episode 414, Jasmine's Big Idea, episode 460, Wilson's Wishes, and episode 516, Popcorn Comes to School, the story of a kitten in kindergarten. And today we're focused on uh, Leslie's publishing group called Teddy Bear Circle Publications. Uh, Leslie, awesome to have you back on the show. Thanks for joining me and say hi to everyone. Hi, everyone. And thanks for having me again. Well, it's great to have you back, and uh, um, you always have something cool going on. And so uh, today we're going to, uh, you know, start talking about Teddy Bear Circle Publications. So could we start there and tell me what it is and what's its purpose? And uh, I mean, it's not just a cute name, right? Right. So Teddy Bear Circle Publications is an imprint that I've been publishing under, and the reason that I chose that name is that. In that long list of books that you um, shared, there's a book called Bears, Bears Everywhere, which is a book about how to use teddy bears in classrooms um, so that children can use them for self-comfort, to promote empathy for themselves and for other children. And it creates a really nice sense of classroom community brings anxiety down and performance anxiety around literacy learning <clears throat> as well. And one of the things that, so we've been working with this, we meaning me and my project at Bank Street, as well as my um, Schools at Heal project, have been working with this technique for years. And one of the things that we recommend is when you're 
doing read-alouds to your group, have the children hold their teddy bears. And that has been a really powerful technique because the things that we read, and I'll go back a little later and talk about that, are really books that reflect children's developmental issues and life experiences. And after we're done, we ask open-ended questions like, you know, what do you think about that story? Um, and what did that story remind you of? And if kids don't want to share, we also invite their teddy bears to share. And there are a lot of kids who aren't so comfortable talking about emotional stuff, but they're very comfortable having their teddy bears do that. <laughs> so it's been um, really powerful. And many school principals have told me that their early readers that in the groups that use teddy bears have much less performance anxiety about learning to read and therefore learn to read so that they found it um, helpful in a lot of different ways. Very cool. I, you know, so one of the things that I've got to make sure that I ask you is what is it that said to you, I need to do this. I mean, in, in you know, in creating teddy bear circle publications. I mean, what, what just made you say, I know you wrote that book. So I, I was wondering, you know, but what just said, eh, I need to do this. I, I wrote the book a long time ago, actually, but it's used a lot of all the techniques that we teach in emotionally responsive practice. That's the one that gets the most inquiry, the most attention, um, Right now, we're doing a version of it called Teddy Bears in Traumatic Times um, in the wake of COVID, which we've done after the hurricane and various other traumatic uh, circumstances that affect children. But as I've gotten more and more interested in creating children's literature, I really wanted to do it in a way that invites teachers and school leaders and school social workers to come into that space, which would be Teddy Bear Circle publications, and find books that are different than a lot of other children's stories, because they're not, right now, it's like children's literature seems to go in different waves, right? And um, right now, there's a lot of like, very into like sort of moral stuff and political stuff. And I just want to be with children where they are. want to be with them in the developmental space that they live in. And I want to invite them to have a voice for their life experiences. Because if we don't do that in schools, any experiences that weigh on kids take up their attention. And it, it becomes very hard for them to be in the moment of learning. So I'm trying to write things that reflect the moment that we live in on, on a level that's developmentally salient for children and invites expression of what it means to them. So if teachers are looking for such books, I want them to find them under that imprint. Very cool. That's, uh, that's awesome. You know, it's, uh, 
Um, it, it, it's one of the things that I really think cool is that you have uh, in the two series that you've created um, the same characters and you've built some additional friends and so forth. And so it's neat because the kids would get, get to know those characters and uh, they're continuing to be with each other and you introduce some new adults and things like this. But at the same time, it's, it's that, that little growing friendship circle happening there too, which is really awesome. And, you know, one of the things that uh, you were talking about is um, you, you mentioned briefly was what the teddy bear is associated with. So can we talk just a little bit more about that? Because you've had some um, experience with teddy bears. I have. <laughs> so teddy bears are really a symbol of comfort. And, you know, this, this kind of work I've been doing for years. When I was a long time ago, I was the director of a therapeutic nursery in the city. And we noticed that the children who brought stuffed animals from home did better than the children who didn't, who weren't attached to something. So we provided them and we used them, we integrated them into curriculum and into the classroom. And that sort of stayed with me as I moved through different places of work. And at the moment, there's hundreds of classrooms that use teddy bears, um, both in New York City and outside um, of it, and have found it very helpful in the anxious times that we live in. Um, it, basically, you're you're saying to kids, everyone is worthy of comfort. And you have to have a way of accessing that feeling that you're worthy of comfort in school. And some kids walk in with that feeling and some kids do not. So this is sort of universalizing that message. And if you're in a school that universalizes that message, it feels different. And it is empowering in all kinds of different ways. You know, one of the things that uh, you started talking about before was the idea of um, teachers using the teddy bears in the classroom. And, you know, can you talk just a little bit about why teachers would embrace the use of a teddy bear, but not only why they would embrace it, but why they would want to? They would want to if they're, children are coming in to the classroom with high levels of anxiety, with traumatic experiences, with loss, um, with COVID sequela, like uh, kids were at home for two years, right? They had no social experience. And of course, Almost all teachers have been telling us for the last few years, well, I've got third graders, but it really feels like I have first graders. Or I have kindergartners, but it really feels like I have you know, preschoolers. And yeah, of course, because children develop according to what experience supports. So if you have no social connection with other kids for a few years, when you get social connection, it's going to be on a younger level. And if we try to jump over that, we're going to be incredibly frustrated and they're going to feel alone. But if we acknowledge that, then there's a different kind of atmosphere and a different kind of um, milieu to support the development that everyone wants to see right now. And, and 
Good stuff. I mean, it, you know, one of the things that uh, um, you think about is that, uh, you know, the need for that comfort or at least to understand that things are going to be, it's one of the things that I want to mention about what I like about your books with the ca- characters continuing on is that they don't just disappear. And they don't just disappear. So I wish this was the kind of podcast you could see because I could, I could um, show, but in my, so I'm going to give you an example. So this is my second series. Um, in Teddy Bear Circle. That first series was stories for children in the time of COVID. And that was all quite related to what was happening for kids at that time. This second series is called Understanding Feelings in Community. And the first book is Popcorn Comes to School, um, where a kitten climbs into a kid's backpack when he puts it on the floor while his grandma's getting stuff at the deli counter. And then he has a kitten with him. <laughs> they have to figure out what to do with it. So you're introduced to Wilson, who we already know from stories of children in the time of COVID, his friend Jasmine, who we already know from Jasmine's big idea, and his friend Lila, who we already know from Lila in the Land of the Littles. And then we're introduced to the, some of the other children, a few other children in his classroom um, and his teacher. And then this story really is about having this little vulnerable creature in a big classroom. The kitten gets scared and tries to run and hurts somebody. And it's a lot about, you know, feeling scared can make you act angry because you're trying to protect yourself. And that happens with children all the time. Mostly there's no empathy for that. But this in, this invites empathy for that. And this allows both children and adults to think about that relationship between fear and anger. So there's Popcorn Comes to School. And then the sequel, whoopsie, wants to fall down, is called Popcorn's Lost and Found. And in this book, the same children are realizing that they're missing things. So the first in the first page, Jasmine says, Mama, where's my red polka dot ribbon that I wore on picture day? And her mom says, I haven't seen it. Look under the sofa cushions. Jasmine and her mama didn't know where Jasmine's polka dot hair ribbon had gone. But Popcorn, the kitten, knew. So Popcorn is taking little things that the children leave at the deli and making a collection of them in the basement, which which the deli owner refers to as her lost and found and several it's so that's the pattern the kids all are missing something and then um jasmine and wilson come to the deli one day with their parents and they're waiting for their parents and they sit down on the basement steps and they look down and they see all their stuff that's awesome <laughs> that's awesome because that's just as a note as a owner of a couple of cats uh they uh <laughs> They they do tend to, if we're missing things, we just need to look, there are two places we need to look under, because that means that they've gotten it and taken it and accidentally yeah. knocked it under there and they can't get it anymore. So, <laughs> And kittens really like to do that. They like to like put stuff places. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Uh, and it occurs to them that the, the deli owner says, I think popcorn wants your stuff so she can think about you. It smells like you. She can remember you. And then it occurs to them that, oh, yeah, 
grandma left me her pillow when she went out of town because it smelled like her and helped me. Daddy left me his scarf during COVID when he couldn't come home every night. And so they let the kitten keep their stuff because it means connection. And that's something that happens all the time. Little kids are always taking this and that and putting it in their pocket. And it's not because they're going to grow up to be, you know, thieves. It's because they want something, some way of staying connected to wherever it is that they're, that they are. So it invites dialogue, it invites conversation, it invites expression, it invites experience into the read aloud in a very comfortable way. And it really helps in a social emotional support way. Um, it's, it's powerful. And I like to think my books have something unique to offer in the narrative and in the illustration part, because kids find it pretty compelling. Oh, very much so. It's what's really cool is that uh, um, you use materials to make the the characterizations of whether it's people or the surroundings and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I literally mean materials. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, cloth that's different shapes, uh, different, uh, it's been made to look like, and, but yet they're not exact replica. You know, it's not like you're creating sculptures of people and stuff like this, but it's so cool. Cause it just gives you, this is what the, this is what the characters look like. This is what their surroundings look like. And it's so much, this is, uh, it's comforting to have friends with in their na- in their neighborhood in their house and so forth. So it's very yeah. cool and it's very nice. It it has a nice uh, um, I started to say feel, but a nice uh, you know. It's cool. I just, I don't know how to describe it. It's nice. So very cool. I it, you know one of the things that uh, I wanted to make sure that we we mentioned here is that you talk briefly about this. Um, so that like if, if a teacher was reading one of those books to the class. Um, why why is reading a little different if uh, you have the kids holding the teddy bear? Well, the reading is a little different because you're providing a comforting presence during it and because you're inviting children to have a voice and response and to give their teddy bears a voice and response if that's more comfortable. There's something about that that has given teachers a lot of information about what does this mean to the kids that I'm reading to, as opposed to we want to teach A, B, and C concept, and then I'm going to ask you about that. This is, I want to know what this means to you. And if I know what this means to you, then I know what to read next. And one of the things that we see is that these kind of books heighten attention because we're not distracting kids from where they are. We're mirroring where they are. And that brings children to you. You can read them whether kids have their teddy bears or not, but the teddy bears gives kids a comforting feeling when they're listening, as well as the opportunity to express things that they might not feel so ready to. I'm not scared of anything, but my bear is afraid of the dark. <laughs> that perfect. That's a, yeah. I like that. That's that's awesome. I, yeah, I can hear that conversation happening right now. <laughs> good, yeah. good stuff. I you know so one of the things that uh, um, I wanted to make sure that we talked about is 
um, you, you and you mentioned these just a little bit. Uh, you have these two series, and the one is the one about in the times of COVID, and so you know, those characters interacted and had uh, lessons come to them by way of things that they're having to deal with that were particular to COVID, and uh, like not being able to be with friends and stuff like this, or having to stay away. Um, and then you have your second one, understanding feelings in the community. Um, can you talk about what makes the stories just right for the age of the the kids with their teddy bears? What what is it that you're writing for there that makes it right for their ages? Hmm. So one of the you know I have a lot of hats, <laughs> and one of them is as a child development expert in the field, and by that I mean. I'm trying to, if I'm writing for two-year-olds, I'm trying to take the developmental issues that are often present for two-year-olds and fold them into that story. Um, if I'm writing for three and four-year-olds, the same. If I'm So this is like a little bit different because it's a four to eight. That's what I put on it, you know, age range, four to eight. Um, four because in the first the, the language can be complicated. Some threes can be fine with it, but others it would be too long. Um, fours is the, probably the just right place. Fours is when children start to care about friendships. The way you make any four-year-old cry is another four-year-old says, I'm not your friend. Then the first four-year-old has to cry because it feels like devastating to them. But they don't really know how it works. So you know, if they take something out of their pocket that the other kid wants, all of a sudden they're friend again. And they, they don't get how it works. So it's much more volatile um, to work with that age group than it is usually for a teacher to have three-year-olds. So it's about relationships and in, as you say, the class is sort of like we're, we've got, first we've got a best friend relationship with Lila and Jasmine, and then we have three relationships, and then it grows to be, you know, within community. And that's what happens for children in development. Friendships are kind of a mysterious thing when they're really little. <laughs> and as they grow, the developmental issues around friendship change. And so, I'm trying to capture that um, interest of that age group as well as something about the vulnerability that children feel these days, given the world that we live in. So there's a sequel in process <laughs> to that. I'm doing it in, in groups of three, three per series. Excellent. So there's a sequel in process called Ellie, the deli cat finds a friend. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's, that's cool. When's that coming out? It's all written. I'm in the process of illustrating, and I hope that it will come out at the end of the month. Excellent. Congratulations. Kudos on that. I like that too. That's nice. So we're gonna get a we're gonna get another f friend here. That's Ellie. Ellie's the Ellie's popcorn's mom. Ellie nice. the deli cat is popcorn's mom, um, and. Uh, one of the children in the story already, um, who, who Ellie knows, Ellie's not so, Popcorn is very interactive with the children, but Ellie stays high. She does high up. She doesn't want to kids to grab her or touch her, like a lot of cats. She wants to watch. And um, 
Then Sadie's little brother comes in one day who she's never met, and he's autistic. He's a, a, a toddler. He's little. And he doesn't try to grab her. He doesn't try to chase her. He doesn't try to put her in you know, shopping carts. And that makes Ellie interested in him because cats like that. They want to be in charge of who touches them. And uh, so it's a development of a relationship between this little boy and Ellie, the deli cat. That is awesome. That is very cool. So w- when the teacher finishes reading the book and the kids have their teddy bears and um, the teacher's been reading the book. Is there something, some advice that you would give the teacher about when they come to a f- finish for whatever that section is that they read that day or to the book, end of the book? Or wh- is there some advice you would give the teacher about uh, how to finish up for that part of the lesson or whatever? So the short answer is to ask open-ended questions like, now, what did you think about that story? I wonder if that story reminded you of anything. What about your teddy bear? What is, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the more involved answer is that I have written teacher's guides. They're actually little PowerPoints on how to use um, the books. And um, I'm sh- there is supposed to be <laughs> a link on my Teachers College Press page that advertises Bears, Bears Everywhere to the children's books and to the teacher's guides for the children's book. It was there and then it disappeared. And I wrote to them and said, so where is it? And they said they would fix it. So hopefully they will fix it. Um, it's all, Those are also, I believe, on my, one of my websites. Very cool. So we'll get them uh, linked into the show notes, which would be good for them to be able to access it. And, you know, technology is fun that way where <laughs> suddenly something can make it disappear. So you gotta, <laughs> gotta love that. She drives me insane. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. You know, uh, Leslie, some people would think that uh, a playful strategy like using teddy bears in the classroom, you know, is out of place in the aftermath of COVID. Uh, you, when people are very concerned about learning loss, I mean, what would you say to those concerns? I'd say I understand the concern, but if you understand young children, you know that this will facilitate learning, that you can't jump over life experience. You can't, we can't expect kids to be in the same place they would be if there had been no COVID. How could that possibly be true? We're not in the same place that we would have been if there were no COVID. So how in the world can little kids be in the same place? But we can meet them where they are and acknowledge with them the dilemmas of their time that they're living in. And that heightens attention and relationship and that makes you want to talk about write about draw about what's going on for you if learning is a distraction and you've got intense things going on learning will lose but if learning if your experience can be folded into the learning learning will win I love that because that, yes, <laughs> it's, it's so important, I would think, to learning, period, like you were talking about. Yes. So, you know, one of the things that uh, um, if I just wanted you to remind everybody about, uh, so you've got uh, in the latest series, which has popcorn going to kindergarten and popcorn, 
Popcorn Lost and Found. And you have a third book coming out. You want to remind them what that is? It's called Ellie the Deli Cat Finds a Friend. Excellent. It's the third book in this series, and it will feature the same cats and kitten and a few of the same characters with um, one new little guy. Excellent. Love it. Uh, you know, uh, so let's talk about this. If you had a chance to be a keynote at a conference on teaching, what would you like to tell the audience about teddy bears and reading that you would want them to take away when they left? That's funny because I'm doing a lot of keynotes lately. Nice. <laughs> so, nice. Um, I cannot describe the power of working in this way sufficiently I would say, don't live in the world of making someone else happy when the someone else has nothing to do with the children in front of you. You're a kindergarten teacher. Don't live in the world of making the first grade teacher happy. Live in the world of making kindergarten meaningful to the children in the room, because that's going to allow them to be a rising first grader with curiosity and competence and confidence. Don't make little kids be big before they're little or they're going to grow up feeling inadequate. And look at the research on this. There is a lot of research that says that that focus on making children you know, read when they're five minutes old is not helpful. <laughs> that in the long run, it results in kids feeling less motivated and more inadequate. There was that study of pre-K in Tennessee in 2000 that was long-term, and they followed children um, who had pre-K in this big state-run program, and they followed them through the sixth grade. And the kids who did not go the kids who were at home did better in mental health at sixth grade and at reading and third grade. Only kindergarten and first grade did they, was it the other way around because there was too much pressure too early. And what the main researcher said um, in an NPR interview was, you know, Children this age should be playing. That's how they learn. And that's what we learn from this study. And that's what we know. <laughs> so make the foundation something that children can hold in their hand. Written words are symbols of thoughts, feelings, ideas. You have to have ways of expressing those thoughts, feelings, ideas before you become a reader. Otherwise, there's no voice and the reading doesn't become a meaningful pursuit. It becomes something that makes you feel stressed and inadequate. That's awesome. I, I love that. That's, you know, it's, um, it, it's just uh, when you think about it, uh, um, one of the big things that we have to let children figure out how to do is play. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's so much that wants to, consume their time and so forth about things that you know, would be fun to know or get, get to know, or might be impactful down the road, but the importance of play really sticks out there. You know, that's a. Uh, Absolutely. And play with stuff. 
when you're little, you don't need to be online. You need to have something in your hand. So true. So true. You know, it's funny. I think about, I didn't have a, I probably had an animal or two, but what I remember most is I always had my inventions, <laughs> my inventions <laughs> that I, I was putting things together and stuff like this. And in my imagination, it was a robot or it was, did something or something like this. And uh, those were my, probably if I was talking with someone about this, like you, I'd probably, my comfort zone was around my inventions. So. Yeah. You were doing constructivist education on your own. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, very cool. So yeah, uh, Leslie, we're getting ready to finish up here. This is, uh, uh, but before we close, um, if someone wanted to connect with you or learn more, where would you send them? Um, you could go to schoolsatheal.net and look for um, Teddy Bear Circle Publications. Um, you could email me at either my Bank Street email, lcoplo at bankstreet.edu, or you can email me at leslie at schoolsthatheal.net. Excellent. And I'll have all that information in the show notes. Congratulations on the on the imprint. This is really cool. You have these two series going on, and especially all the other work you've done, and, and you see it now appearing in what uh, um, your works for the children and the continuation of uh, storylines, characters, people, and uh, just some feel-good books and how to work with uh, – and your teddy, teddy bear imprint is all about uh, um, helping pursue that and helping the kids, and I love it. Good stuff. Congratulations on that. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for having me. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.